So welcome back, Mr. Pixel. How you doing? I'm tired, but I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Good. Survived the uh, the the snowpocalypse or snowmageddon or whatever it was that we were supposed to get. Yeah, I mean we had uh, <laughs> we had quite a bit of ice, and I actually was kind of busting some up when I got home from work. Was it kind of we had a a melt today at forty yeah. something degrees and reef. Oh, you got in the four. Ooh, look at you, heat wave. Yeah, we got in the forties. So I had you know four inches of ice where I opened my door to get out of my truck, and jeez, you know, just about ended up laying down on the ice. Oh, there you go. I'm like, yeah, in, let's bust some of this up in a fast and efficient manner. Uh, well, I mean. Since no, laying room, down in a fast, <laughs> laying yeah, down in a fast and efficient manner. <laughs> I, I, quickly, very quickly. quickly. <laughs> I didn't want to do that, but my uh, my regular shovel was in my shed, snowed in. So I just got the. Uh, <laughs> there's a sledgehammer in the garage, so I was just kind of like oh, tapping yeah. it without you know full swinging it on the ice to break it up, and so I didn't bust up my snow shovel so right yeah that was interesting did you get mostly ice we got a lot of ice, here, ice. Yeah. but you know 40 minutes up the road where i work in in dayton it was like eight inches of snow mm. so they had you know they were dealing with snow drifts and mm-hmm. you know 10 12 15 inches of snow drifts and all sorts yeah. of stuff so yeah. That's about what we had around here. Nice. A bunch of snow sitting around. My back's starting to recover from all the shoveling. Nice. <laughs> you have to work in it or were you off? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. We had. So the first. So the day that it started getting bad or when it started moving in, I guess I should say, we had. Well, I guess prior to that, we had a lot of fluctuations, so everything would melt, and then it would freeze, and then it would melt, and then it would freeze. And I remember we got a call to an accident, and I walked outside, and the, the ground was a little slick, and I was like, oh, great, here we go. That ended up being a, a semi-crash with yeah. about three hours of overtime doing paperwork and stuff. So, But luckily, that was my 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 uh my day leading into my quote unquote weekend. So the next couple of days I was like, I'm so glad I'm not working in this. Everybody else can deal with it. <laughs> Little did I, did I think that I would be working doing a lot of shoveling, just trying to keep things <laughs> open. So I, it could be driven through. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to have to go to work. It's another thing to work harder when you're at home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather do that here than have to worry about working and then come home and dealing with it. So it wasn't that big of an issue. I can understand that. I can totally understand that. Yeah, we had the base closed Thursday and Friday. So I I worked from home. It was nice. <laughs> was it it wasn't bad. I didn't have to didn't have to go anywhere. So just fired up the snow blower and moved the snow and realized there's three inches of ice underneath it oh. that it's not not gonna pick up and throw so it was it was interesting good old midwest weather 
absolutely and now we're in <laughs> now we're in the 40s and it's all melting and yeah. <laughs> looks nasty and good times yeah and we didn't get we didn't get that high yeah so but it was enough to start making a little bit melt so it was pretty at first now it's been around long enough it's getting dirty and nasty looking so i'm ready for it to go yeah yeah we had it for a couple of days looked nice and nobody was out on the road so well other than being snowed in did you was there any did you do anything else or nope not really. no, no fun just snow just hung out at the house um that's pretty much it uh shoveled snow didn't do a whole lot watch you know watch some uh olympics or whatnot and okay you're not protesting them <laughs> no. <laughs> no no not here we're watching so yeah i mean that was about it it was a nice you know nice slow weekend i've been in the past week i've been i guess consulting would be <laughs> the best way to put it uh i have a new guy at work and they uh they like to do this thing where they don't tell you that they're just going to throw a new guy with you and i'm not a trainer for that so it's like okay you can just sit in the passenger seat and we'll just do whatever so inevitably i i asked him we were, we were talking about stuff and then i asked asked him if he was a gun guy he was like yeah i kind of am he's like i don't have a lot but you know the interest is there he has a couple and all that and i we started talking about the rifles and he was looking at the one that i have uh in my in my vehicle that's mounted there between us and all that and i told him that i built i put that one together and then the one before that i did the same thing and i told him about the polymer 80 stuff or whatever and we got to talking about stuff and then by the end of it he was like you know I don't think I want to buy one now. I think I want to put one together like, like you did. And I was like, well, if you want to do it, let me know. I'll help you. I said, it's the best, you know, it's the best way, you know, to get to know how, get to know it and how it works and everything. He's like, yeah, he's like, I really want to do that. So he's, he's starting his, his search. He's starting to look for parts now and everything. And I was like, all right, another one. Good. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's the way to, that's the way to do it. I mean, if you, have the money to go buy a bcm or daniel's defense out the door or something yeah sure you know go do go do that but if you're on a budget we've talked about this before but you know i yeah. spent three years building my first ar right you know saved up and here and there and would i have done it different uh, probably not you know part of well, me that's what, that's what the next one's for well, you know, part of me the whole time was like, well, let me just finish it with cheap parts and then go back later and upgrade it later. Right. You know, I tell people that all the time now. It's like, ah, oh, I don't have the money to do that, but I want to shoot. And I'm like, well, then go buy a MP15. Yeah. And then when you're ready, we'll put a trigger in it and we'll put a bolt carrier yeah. group on it. You know, we'll do this, that, and the other thing to it. That way, the whole time you're "quote unquote" building a new rifle, that you still have something to shoot. So, right, yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, if I had to do over again, I would probably have done that 
bought something to shoot all the time and then like mm. oh, let me put a trigger in. oh let me let me change this out let me put a different stock on it let me put a handguard on it right and then by the time you're done it's like oh well i have two rifles if i buy another lower <laughs> and, and thus the cycle begins yeah but <laughs> no it's all good it's fun i mean it teaches you a lot about you know the inner workings of, of mm-hmm. an AR if you're going to build it. Yeah, and then right around the same time, my dad started texting me, and I don't know if he's already bought it, but I think he's going to do uh, a Palmer eighty. Um, I believe it's he was getting he we were we've he's been driving me nuts with some other stuff too with guns. I was like, I swear I'm going to start charging the guy for everything that i have to help him with but i guess it's a it'd be the equivalent to a glock 19 or what's what's the is it a 23 one's a nine one's a 40 i believe uh, i think so. i think that's correct yeah so he's he's looking at stuff and then he's getting all tripped up on that he's like i don't understand how one's a single stack and one isn't and and I was like, I'm just like copying articles and sending it to him. Like, just read this. This just explains everything. <laughs> it's like, it's the same thing. That's why it fits. It's just the rounds are different sizes. So that's why it stacks differently. I said, just make sure you get the, the same, the right mag, the right barrel, that, or he's messing with a sight on, on his rifle, or he's messing with this. It's like, oh my God, you have the internet and more time than me. <laughs> Look it up, please. <laughs> It's funny. I was I was listening to a podcast on my way to work this morning, and it was a question and answer. They were answering questions, and he (laughs) read a question was, "How do you how do you build an AR or and or a Glock pistol?" He goes, "I'm not answering that. Obviously, you didn't do any Google searching." (laughs) But I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, it's very true. Why, why waste your time if you're not even going to type it into Google?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can buy a you can buy a cleaning mat that has all the parts for an AR on it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I I get that. I can understand that. So, what are we doing here today? Not well, to change the topic. But. Yeah, no. Uh, I guess kind of coincidentally, in honor of this terrible storm that we were supposed to get that didn't follow through, um, an article popped up that I thought would be kind of interesting for us to go over. Um, maybe harken back a little to the old day, the old days of wasted ammo and. The conflicted scenarios. Um, this is a article uh, from OffGridWeb.com that they kind of set the scenario up for you. And uh, in the article, and we'll go after this, we'll go through this later. They talk to experts and get their take on how they would handle the situation. So. Full disclosure, I did read through one of the experts' explanations before it dawned on me that this would be a good thing, you know, a good kind of game or thought exercise for the both of us to to do. So I, I did read the one, but we're going to 
we're going to read it and kind of with our knowledge or lack thereof uh kind of plan out what we would do in that situation and then see how terribly wrong we were and let it and then and read some answers <laughs> perfect so yeah you had sent me a message about this and it's off-grid staff off-grid magazine which is a like an offshoot of recoil mm-hmm. so i i didn't read it at all in fact the first i'm looking at it was about five minutes ago right before we started the podcast right just so i'm i know what it's about you know it's getting stranded in a blizzard kind of thing but that's about it so i'll go ahead and read the uh i guess the scenario i guess as it is and and then and then you can go ahead and jump into what what you think on this so um so basically the the quick setup is it's going to be you and a couple friends and you're going to alaska in the winter i believe it's a hunting trip or something like that and you're going to experience a blizzard slash power outage uh and the weather's going to be snowy windy and between four and possibly and probably negative 10 degrees fahrenheit so it's going to be i mean it's alaska so it's gonna be cold here's here's how they have it set up uh you and two friends have been planning alaskan hunting trip for several months you rent a remote hunting lodge in a rural area near chandelar lake that's only accessible on foot although it's winter time and you knew the weather would already be brutal the forecast is anticipating a blizzard since it's too late to cancel and get a refund you decide to roll the dice and make the best of it hoping the weather will turn around and become more favorable after arriving at the airport you and your friends rent an suv stop to buy some food and other provisions and venture down a long dirt road to a designated parking area before heading out on foot to the lodge the path up to the parking area is a windy uphill track which would make getting back down nearly impossible in heavy snow. And you have no idea if the road below is regularly regularly cleared or not. It's inconvenient, but you have to make several trips back to the car in order to carry all your supplies to the lodge. However, you're confident your experience will be a positive one and you have enough food and water to hold you over for the few days you'll be there. And then there's a, a section here, they have a complication. You bring a small battery operated radio to get updates on weather service since cell service in the area is practically non-existent. Daylight is also compromised by the fact that the sunrise in this part of Alaska typically happens around 11 a.m. with sunset occurring at 2.30 p.m. So you got, what, three hours of daylight. Wow. You settle in for the night with winds picking up and heavy snowfall, hoping that the weather will pass you by. You rise early to trek out to the hunting blinds and wait, but the snowfall is practically at window level now. You and a few friends have to force the door open to push the snowpack back far enough to even get a leg out the door. The radio is saying the blizzard is one of the worst in the state's history and it's anticipated to go on for two weeks. Lucky you. Then the unexpected begins happening. Power at the lodge goes out. The gas system soon freezes over, as does the water, meaning you have nothing to drink except what you brought. There's no heat in the lodge except for an old potbelly stove that uh, you'll have to go get wood for. The, the food and water you brought definitely isn't going to last you two weeks. So 
at this point, what are you doing? Are you going to try and get back to the car, which may be compromised, you know, by a road that you can't even use? Are you going to try and walk until you find help of self cell service, wait it out? That's where they leave it to you before they talk to three experts. All right. <laughs> so quite a, they, they, they set it up quite a bit, but it's definitely a worst case scenario. So yeah, worst case scenario. <laughs> I mean, the first problem I see in here in this thing is that you only bought enough food for the couple of days you'll be there. So uh-huh. honestly, I probably would have bought a, an extra day or two just of how I am, which uh-huh. doesn't matter if you got two weeks and you plan on three days, you maybe have five or six days worth of food. Right. But it does say you make multiple trips to the car to carry your supplies back. So I don't uh-huh. think the car is too far away. But it also said the snow was up to the windows. So my first thought is it's probably to the roof of the car or close to yeah. it. You know? Probably. Yeah. It'll yeah. be even higher if a snowplow goes through. <laughs> yeah. So the car, in, in my thought, the car's worthless. So probably going to stick it out in the cabin. But the cabin provides shelter. So you have, you have shelter. So you need heat food and water it does say you have to procure wood Mm -hmm. so that's the first thing i would do is is get wood to get a fire because the water side of that you're in alaska so it's i would assume it's not that polluted so you could fill up a pot with snow Mm -hmm. put it on the stove melt it and boil it for drinking water so that's kind of the two big ones right there is water and wood. Do you have snow? The, that fire would provide heat. The other thing in my book there is you're there for a hunting trip. Obviously, if you're there for a hunting trip, you know how to hunt and you know how to process or prepare food. The problem is going to be is getting out of the cabin to go hunt, mm-hmm. I would assume. Right. So I, you know... I would assume, you know, the plan would be to kind of sneak out to the woods, spend <laughs> an hour or two hunting or being very quiet. And if that doesn't happen, then you chop a tree down and, you know, get you some wood to go back right. to warm back up. So, you know, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone of, of going out to hunt to, you know, procure meat of some sort that's that's kind of what i would do um you know did it say the radio is yeah the the radio is battery operated so you would probably want to use that sparingly so you're not gonna kill the batteries in that radio in two days since you got two weeks so i i would i don't know i would just use that in the kind of the prime time six to eight o'clock in the evening to listen for a weather report or something, Mm -hmm. or maybe just put it on a weather station to see if there's updates on road closures or whatever. Right. Um, That's kind of my first take on this whole thing. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you got enough food for a couple days. So wood for, you know, for the stove, and then you know hunting obviously to add to the food storage 
or the you know the food supply that you would have. Hopefully, if you're up there for big game or something, and you get something the first within the first couple of days, then you're good. But right, right. You know, the problem is going to be is how good of friends are you with these these couple of buddies that you're <laughs> <laughs> snowed into a cabin with? That's kind of my thinking. Okay. Um, you want to you want to add your take on that or? Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much in the same same mindset as as you are with that um obviously you got to get the wood because you got to get a fire going you're gonna have to to stretch that food out a little bit until you know for sure if you're gonna be able to get anything you know i i've never dealt with snow that deep so i don't know if anything's going to be moving around if i mean unless you have some small calibers and maybe maybe there's birds or squirrel or something like that that you can get right away to kind of you know hold you over if you need it in a pinch before you can get out to whatever big stuff there is it's just going to be tough to get around with all that snow that's that's going to be the problem the only other thing you know I'm I'm with you on the you got to you're going to have to start cooking some some snow you know <laughs> cooking for, some snow cooking some snow once so you get the fried snow <laughs> yep once you get that once you get the fire going but i don't know i almost think i something else that i'd want to do is maybe once you get some of the wood going i mean you're going to probably have to i mean depending on where you store it maybe trying to clear an area outside so that way you could get a fire going just in case. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you'd be able to signal, you know, if, if anybody would be flying around or, you know, it depend on where you're at, you know, you know, maybe nobody's flying around, but, you know, just, you know, just to get, you know, if you only have, what did it say? Three hours of daylight, you know, it's not, not a lot of looking <laughs> yeah yeah it's not not a lot of time for that so that that may or may not be a good idea i mean but, on, on that note would you want to lay some sticks out in a help or something on the snow that could be seen from above because if you if you have a fire in the cabin you'd have smoke coming out of the chimney hopefully there's a fireplace in the cabin I mean, I'm assuming so. Um, there, it says there's an old potbelly stove. Yeah, so it's got to be sending the smoke out somewhere. Right. right. I don't know that you'd have to necessarily build a fire outside. You know, if somebody's looking for smoke, if they're out flying a helicopter around looking for people that need help. Right. Or maybe you could walk in the snow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> take your tracks and, and walk the word help in the snow. <laughs> But wade through the snow since it's up to the windows so you're gonna be about belly deep in it and just you'll just have to do it in cursive so you can do it all in one one shot so it looks uniform yeah but yeah i mean and i guess that that would also depend i guess on if how wooded is it around you because that's gonna that's gonna take away from the visibility if you're surrounded by trees they're gonna have to be directly above you to even see what you did versus if it was wide open they could see it at a at a greater angle 
True. So I guess that would depend as well. Yeah. Other than that, I, I would just, I probably wouldn't want to go to bed to begin with, but well, I know that stuff's not cheap. So, yeah. I mean, if we, if we go back to the very beginning of this whole thing, I don't know that that sounds like a whole lot of fun to me. If you're only got, <laughs> you know, what is it? Three and a half hours of daylight in Alaska in the winter in a cabin that you can't drive to, you have to park in a parking mm-hmm. lot and, and trek uphill to that. I'm not sure that that's something that I would plan. <laughs> uphill both ways in the snow and barefoot. and no. Right. And I mean, if, <laughs> If you land in the airport and they're saying, hey, there's a blizzard on the way, I think maybe I'd get a hotel room close to the airport or something. That, Yeah, I might have changed the plans. Yeah. And say, hey, guys, you know, let's let's wait it out a couple of days before we go up to this remote off-grid cabin without cell service or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe spend, a, you know, a couple extra bucks and get a hotel room for two days and and see what happens. I feel like the... You know, we we talk about we talk about being prepared a lot. You know, that's kind of kind of what we're doing here, right? Mm-hmm. To me, being prepared is also not allowing yourself to get in a situation like this. Right. It's one thing to say, "Hey, I'm I'm prepared to defend myself with a gun," but that doesn't mean I'm going to go hang out in the worst part of the neighborhood <laughs> looking for a fight. Right. right. It's funny. I don't. I don't know if you've watched the uh, Cobra Kai show, the new Karate oh, I, Kid. I think I watched the first season of it. Well, the in the current season, I think it's the third season they're on. They they talk about some stuff that you don't get from the original shows, but Mr. Miyagi says one of the best ways to defend yourself in a fight is to not be there. <laughs> so it's, right. it's be not there and it's like well that makes total sense you know if i don't want to get in a gunfight in a bad part of town don't go to the bad part of town right so, right so i think part of the preparedness of this whole situation is to try to like um i don't know be be mindful of the situation you're getting yourself into mm-hmm. so you know we're, we're we'll we'll just say we're past that um Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you had no idea. Mm-hmm. And you woke up to this. And then you turn the radio on and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the blizzard. Right. Whoops. You know, we can we can go that route. But I, you know, just on a preparedness side of the whole thing. Right. I think you'd want to. I, I do. I do that. You know, if I'm going out of town for work for a week or so, mm-hmm. then I look at the weather. I look at the 10 day where I'm going, you know. I don't want to be packing swim trunks going to the panhandle of Florida when they're expecting snow. It's like, Oh, well, maybe I should take a coat. Right. Right. You know, it's Florida and everybody thinks it's going to be great and sunny and whatever. But if you don't look at the weather and you don't know, you know, to me, it's just being a little bit prepared on that, mm-hmm. that end of it by doing what, you know, recon or, or um, scouting out or, or, you know, just checking out where you're going. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and I get in this, in this article, it says, you know, it's an expensive trip and you'd planned it for a couple months and all this other stuff. But, you know, I think I'd rather spend a hundred dollars on a hotel room and be like, Hey, let's wait here. See if this storm is really as bad as they say it's going to be. 
right you know somewhere that's in town or where you could be around plows that would clear stuff and walk to get food or Mm -hmm. self-service that you know that's kind of the if it was me in that situation like i said i don't know that i would rent this (laughs) in alaska (laughs) in the winter but if i did i think you know something like that was hey there's a possibility there's going to be a blizzard but it's been expensive let's go anyway when we Mm -hmm. get there we'll grab a hotel room maybe for two days and and see what happens so we'll we'll go truer to what the scenario they've presented but there's another talking point here so let's say like i said you knew you're gonna go you knew there was the possibility of this and you're going to the cabin so there's one thing here that they don't give you they just they just leave it open you stop and get supplies so what kind of supplies would you get with in my, with having in mind there's a possibility we're going to get snowed in well like i said i mean my preparedness side of that is to buy you know, they don't, they don't, they just tell you it's a few days, right? They don't really tell you the days, how many days. You're, well, how long you were going to be there or how long the, the weather radio says that the things, gonna, the lizard's going to last. How many days you were originally going to be there? I think it was only supposed to be a few. Okay. So if we're saying like three days, the, the initial plan was three days. Yeah. My first thought is to probably buy, I mean, there's, there's three dudes, right? So yes, there's three. I would probably buy about five days worth of food. I mean, there's not a whole lot of daylight, so it's not like, you know, you're in the wilderness, you're off grid, you're not going clubbing, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, what do what do board guys do besides play cards? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> you know. So, I would probably buy realistically five days worth of food. If you know this risk is happening, I'd buy, you know, a couple extra cases of water, probably, um, you know, something to start fires with. Mm-hmm. I know that like in my, my go bags, my backpacks and all that stuff, I have a big lighter because they're cheap and they start fires. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, yeah. I, I don't smoke, so it's not, not like I have one in my pocket, but I have one in my bag. I've got one in my truck. I've got one in multiple bags. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff, just basic stuff like that. Maybe, you know, if you're going to this cabin and I know there's a lot of, um, you know, we've, we've, I've rented cabins and gone on vacation to places that have some generic supplies, you know, maybe has some canned foods there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of expected that if you use it, you restock it. So maybe that would have been in the thing is if you looked it up and that's the same kind of cabin, maybe there's some basic needs that you buy some extra stuff. Right. Depending on your financial situation and what you could carry through the airport, maybe a little first aid kit of some sort too. Right. You're going hunting. So I would assume most hunters carry that. You know, I have a, med pack on my range bag so right you know if i was going hunting and that was going with me i'd have that you know a couple extra changes of clothes underwear socks spare gloves spare shoes in case all that stuff gets wet obviously you're going to alaska so 
right it's gonna get wet you're in there in the winter so you know i don't know that there's other stuff that i would have bought going to the cabin initially um other than food you know if if you if you knew there was a blizzard coming potentially could have been bad then i definitely would have bought twice as much food yeah more food yeah instead of instead of five days worth of food maybe 10 days worth of food or a three-day trip with three guys right right or or stuff that you can or stuff that's easy you know couple pounds of rice you know that's that's it doesn't take up a lot of space something like that canned goods that something that you could also if it wasn't bad you could throw in your suitcase and bring home Mm. Um, just something i'm I'm still not above mres so (laughs) you know something like that would be (laughs) if you don't need it you leave it behind who cares right somebody else can use it yeah and if they have those in the store sure or like bags of rice and packets of tuna Mm -hmm or whatever something that's high calorie i like having high calorie kind of high sugary stuff if i'm doing something like that right to where it's not necessarily you know to sustain you but to give you energy if you have mm-hmm. to go chop a tree down or something right for firewood. so you know maybe a bag of gummy bears <laughs> something <laughs> that you know I, I don't know it just if you know that's going to happen then stock up on food like you said if it's MREs or if it's rice or something and it's not bad, then leave it. You don't want to bring it home. Just leave it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, how, how expensive is a bag of rice or not? You know, yeah. What is it? A dollar a pound for a bag of rice? Yeah, that's probably not, probably not even that. Right. I mean, hell, you could even get, I mean, it's weight. So if, I know that between the, the vehicle and, and the, uh, the cabin isn't going to be fun, but I mean, you can get canned meat or stuff like that. Make sure you have a can opener, <laughs> but, <True. laughs> um, you know, cause you don't have to worry about that, you know, and it just says supplies. So if I'm expecting snow, I mean, how paranoid am I going to be? Do I need a shovel? Uh, do I need to get a hatchet or an ax? Cause they might not, I mean, depends on, you know, is the cabin supplied? Or is it pretty bare? You know, it's just a structure and you're going to go do what you got to do and then get out. I mean, on top of, you know, I'm definitely with you. The extra food probably would have been the first thing that I would have went for. Even, even, (laughs) even some of that you could have, you could leave in the car, right? I mean, it would suck to wake up and it says the snow's (laughs) up to the window and be like, oh, hey, well, we got a bunch of food, but it's in a car that's buried in snow. So yeah, now you got to go trek to the car dig the car mm-hmm. out try to get a door open to get that spare food but i mean if you didn't if you didn't trek it all the way up to the cabin then you know you at least know where there is some food mm-hmm. but like you said i mean cans of spam packets of tuna you know bag of rice there's a lot of a lot of stuff you can buy that's fairly cheap that would sustain life for that. You know, if if that's what you're doing, but like you said, I mean, it's, if you don't know the cabin or if it's just a cabin, yeah, you may say, Hey, let's buy a cheap hatchet and a shovel. Mm -hmm. You know, we might have to dig out or we might have to hatchet the door down to get out of the cabin. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's snowed that bad. Why couldn't the door open to the inside of the building? <laughs> don't they usually open to the inside? <laughs> well, they don't have to worry about the snow. It, it did, that did read a little weird that you're pushing the snow, the door out. Uh, I don't, maybe there's a screen door on the cabin. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll say it was the screen door. There you go. But yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I agree with that. There's some basic supplies if you don't, if you don't know what's already there and stocked in the cabin. I mean, I guess you could scout that out. There was obviously somebody you talked to. Well, you don't have cell service. Well, I guess before you got there, you could have called the person and asked them if there's supplies, if they get snowed in. Does the cabin have a generator? Is there backup this? Or is there a hand hand pump water well that you could go and try to thaw out and pump water from the ground or something along those mm-hmm. lines that you could research from the airport or you know before you got out there before you made the trip but they could tell you oh yeah no there's shovels and hatchets and this and that and mm-hmm. right. fire starter logs and yep kerosene or you know whatever mm-hmm. whatever the supplies are there so so i would say you know research research what's going what's going on weather wise how prepared is the cabin how many supplies do you need what kind of supplies do you need yeah is it is it just food you know do they have a um a supply of wood you know outside the cabin you know that that you don't have to go to the woods to chop a tree down you know what i mean mm-hmm. well Want to get in and see how wrong we were about everything and see what these guys have to say? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm going to kind of just gloss over this. Uh, this is uh, from Forrester Patrick Diedrich, I believe would be how you pronounce that. He's saying, obviously, the, the most important thing would be redundancy. So he's saying the best thing to do, at least to plan for all that, is have several strategies for staying warm, hydrated and uh, calories. So that way you have the, the, the metabolism, a good metabolism for in the cold conditions. Like you were talking about uh, your pre-trip planning, Uh, do research on the behavior of the plants and animals in the regions. Uh, Do some map recon around, you know, are there nearby towns? Is there, natural resources you know kind of like we're talking oh, is there a body of water is there you know what was there about nearby uh before going into a place that has no cell reception let friends and family know that you're leaving how long you're going to be gone for you know that way you know hey i'm going to be gone for i'll be back in four days you know day five six whatever somebody knows where you're supposed to be they can get a hold of you know emergency services up in that area to come check if it's possible one one thing on this that i you know i'm reading with you saying that but one thing that i found weird on what he's saying is the uh the research on the behavior of plants and animals in the region but -hmm. if you're going there to hunt don't you kind of already know what animals are there i mean you're not you're not going to alaska to hunt well, seals, see, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's probably just, elk or something. Yeah. But 
I can see where where he I can see where he's going with that. If you're not from the area, and I know the scenario started or stated that you're with I, I guess it's you and two buddies that are there. If you had a guide or you know somebody that was an outfitter that was going with you for this, then they would have definitely have knowledge of the region. If you're going for like you say, if you're going for elk how's your knowledge about it's it's alaska so what moose bear what kind of bear what's you know all that kind of you know i'm sure there's all kinds of animals up there but i mean the plant thing you know i I get the yeah i mean i get the plant thing but it i mean i think the animal you know if you're going you know we where you and i live in the midwest i don't think you'd go to alaska to hunt white-tailed deer you know you can do that here right right you know so you yeah. go specific places you know you go to montana or idaho to hunt elk or moose mm-hmm. or whatever you know so there's a specific animal that you're going there to hunt so maybe the research is maybe like you said earlier the small game squirrel yeah is i think it's squirrels just, or rabbits or other yeah small game i, th- animals I think there? it's a, it's a i think it's it's a general so that way you you, you have a, a little more of a knowledge than just the one thing that you're going for you know if i'm hunting i mean hell i wouldn't even know what 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 to shoot these animals with well, you know that's yeah. the thing <laughs> you know if, if i have if i'm all geared up for you know we'll, we'll stick with the elk thing you know is that going to be enough to take down a moose is that going to be good against a bear you know <laughs> I, well okay so i had a buddy that did this he went out to california to do mm-hmm backpacking and, and whatnot and camping and hiking on a, on a mountain and he specifically bought a 10 millimeter glock for bear okay so if if i'm looking at this hunting trip and going well i'm going to hunt elk or moose or whatever but there is this bear and that bear and and these type of other predator animals mm-hmm. then i'm probably taking a 10 mil or a 454 <laughs> you know something big caliber pistol that i would have quick you know if, if mm-hmm. you're if you're if if the trip went perfect and you're in a a tree stand waiting for elk and a bear comes up on you behind you mm-hmm. i mean you want something quick maybe your maybe your rifle will take the bear out too but i would also want to have a sidearm for you know predator animals yeah um, so you can kind of watch your own back yeah. on, on something like that I'm, but no I'm i just, get that yeah i'm just having i'm having what was the what was the dicaprio movie where he gets mauled oh. by the bear he's the trapper yeah between between that and hatchet <laughs> i don't know <laughs> do you ever do you ever watch or read that as a kid i didn't i think i think we had to I think we had to read that in school, but I remember there was a movie about it. Kid, uh, plane crashes. I think it's supposed to be in Alaska. And oh, the, the person flying the the plane, I think, dies in it, and he's just stuck in the wilderness, and he has to figure out how to survive. And there's a bear that keeps screwing with him. I think it was a bear. So it's like him going through the steps of, you know, oh crap, I need something to eat. You know, can I eat this? Oh look, here's some bugs. Can I eat 
the bugs i'm really dying of starvation here am i able you know and like pushing through and obviously a hatchet he has a hatchet in it but yeah that's <laughs> that's what i keep thinking of going through this um i had to look it up it's called the revenant revenant that's what it was there you go yeah he got his ass kicked by a bear in that one <laughs> uh, most people do um, most people would yeah Moving on to what this guy said, he's another thing he's saying, um, if you're renting a vehicle, make sure it's four wheel drive. That's Preferably, solid yeah. advice. Yeah, that's pretty, you know, make sure it's, you know, gassed up, have a tow strap. Yeah, uh, I guess. I. And then uh, he has a section here about food prep, you know, buy extra food. So, hey, we were good on that one. <laughs> extra calories, foods and high, high in fat, protein and sugar nuts canned meat snacks like granola or peanut butter stock up on those and uh so then this guy goes into specialty items for hunting in the snow um sleeping bags rated for freezing temperatures tarps and wool blankets there's your there's also your tools for starting a fire sliders matches obviously a few extra what is the what everybody always says two is one one is none Absolutely. <laughs> um if you're gonna prepare for you know getting firewood an axe a uh, cross cut or a bow saw uh he says chainsaws are nice but now you're messing with fuel making sure it's sharp you gotta have the ground clearance for using all that you know it's just a lot of extra weight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be nice, but I'm not buying one at the store. Yeah. That I can't <laughs> for fly a maybe. Back with. For <laughs> yeah. a maybe, yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to check that in. TSA is not going to let you yeah. take a chainsaw on a plane to fly back home. Two, sure, two weeks it, later, two weeks later, the wife's wondering why a, why a shipping container is being dropped off in the front yard. And you're like, oh, it's just all the extra stuff I bought in Alaska. <laughs> right. Now, if you've got plenty of money, then maybe, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe. And, and like you said, ship it all back. Or if you have the money that to buy those kind of supplies, then just leave them. Right call the dude be like hey man i stocked your cabin with a chainsaw and yeah <laughs> gas and whatnot and i think you owe me some money because i stopped you your go. cabin kind of thing so i don't know those would be you know the 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 prepper saw that that winds up mm -hmm. um you know something like that that you could roll up and put in a check-on bag or your you know obviously your gun case or something mm -hmm. um, that you could take home would be fine I mean, a little a little axe of some sort is really not that expensive either. Right. right. If you I mean, you could probably just get a, a big axe and something smaller. And, yeah. I kind of envision that, you know, a cabin in Alaska would have a stack of wood by the cabin anyway. You know, maybe not enough for two weeks, but, right. you know, I would think there should be some, maybe even some inside that's dry. And ready to go i i don't know i mean you know it's it's alaska so yeah um you would think there's some there would be some basic tools there like a can opener an axe some already cut firewood that's i don't know maybe it's even got a tarp over it outside mm -hmm. and some inside 
a lighter, some sort to start a fire in that in that stove. I don't know. I would think there's there's some basic tools already there. Mm-hmm. You would hope. Well, now that now that you've said that, so uh, this one section he finishes up with saying snowshoes and a sled um, for wood, or if you get an animal, is a good idea. So then he goes into this uh, talking about gear and supplies, and he's talking about splitting people up since there's three of you. You know, one person gets the stuff, and then or I'm sorry, two people are going and grabbing the stuff from the vehicle while the other person uh, starts looking for firewood and kindling. And apparently restocking wood, firewood, when you leave a lodge or a campsite is like a, it's an etiquette thing. So it's a common thing to have that, but you just replace what you use before you leave. Right. So obviously in this situation, get as much as you can before the snow comes in i guess this would fall under the the little the information that you look up before going to a place so in alaska uh you're more likely to find paper birch or sitka spruce and apparently they burn really hot and additionally the the bark of the birch you can light when it's wet or dry so that's a good thing to know before you yeah. waste time and, and energy trying to dry the wood out. And then, oh, hey, this would have lit when it was wet anyways. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly stubborn about stuff like that. I mean, I'll throw a, I'll throw a flame on it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I guess it's too wet to light. I may have found that out by accident. No. Just saying, hey, maybe it'll light. Hey, looky there. But no, I mean, I think some of this would be, you know, some of this would be a given. I would, well, if you're staying in a cabin, I don't know why you'd need a sleeping bag unless you thought there was a chance that the power would go out. Um, Right. But, you know, some of the, the, some of this stuff to me would be kind of a common sense thing. You're going to Alaska to go hunting in the winter. I mean, you have a good coat. You have maybe a wool blanket or two, you know, mm-hmm. some, some of the, just the generic stuff. There's not a lot of daylight, you know, three and a half hours of daylight. So there's, even if, even if there wasn't a blizzard and you had power, you'd have to f- have something to fight boredom mm-hmm. and whatnot. So there's no cell service. So it's not like everybody's going to hang out on Facebook. Um, <laughs> So, you know, deck of cards or a board game or something. And if you took a board game or a deck of cards, I mean, you could always use that to light a fire. You know, the the jokers or the, the box <laughs> that the cards came in. The lid the to the board game. Yeah, the little instruction thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you, well, I would, you know, I would imagine there'd be enough around that grass or leaves or something maybe that you could pile up and if you dug it out from under the snow well i mean if you did it beforehand is what i'm getting at yeah true yeah because i mean you're getting there before it happens so that would be that that would be the mad rush mad rush there that'd be the scramble to get everything before 
that you know before you go to go to bed that night to because you don't know if it's coming the next day or not if you were if you knew okay so if if we rewind a little bit and you flew in you rented a four by four you're gonna go to the cabin anyway and you know that a blizzard's coming you just don't know how bad it's gonna be so yes i would think at that point you know, we had already talked about this. You buy the extra supplies, the extra food, a hatchet, a saw, maybe a one a five gallon container of kitty litter in case your four by four gets stuck to leave in the car. Mm. You know, and then when you get there and get all the supplies in there on a sled that you bought to drag it up there, then yes, I, I would think that you would want to find kindling firewood the basic supplies that if the power goes out we have immediate stuff to start a fire to stay warm Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean that that would be the other prepper side of that because it doesn't say how you know just says you and, and a couple friends i mean you may have you know a couple a couple guys with you that are bear gorillas you know <laughs> right. it doesn't it doesn't phase them or, or whatever so you know you're all in that prepper mindset of hey this is this is how we're going to do this and, and work this whole thing i guess there's a a bunch of different ways of looking at the whole mm-hmm. the whole thing exactly so moving into I guess the, I guess, I don't know, we would call it the, the living situation during this scenario. Get everyone into the same room as the stove. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and then get basically, hopefully that's a smaller room and then start sealing off everything that you can. So that way the room is containing the heat you know, paper, if you have duct tape, I mean, you got to have duct tape so that way you can (laughs) use it for everything. Right. That's a given, right? Yeah. Everybody carries duct tape. Um, Another one I probably wouldn't have thought of make sure since it's it's a stove, uh, make sure the chimney is in, you know, not obstructed and the flue is open so that way the gases are getting out because now you're sealing up this room and bad stuff's getting out i guess would be the easiest way to say it yeah that'd be a good idea yeah and then i guess depending on how it's i mean i would imagine it probably goes up probably up through the roof but i would check on that too after the snowfall just to make sure there's nothing up around it or blocking it or you it's know it's not snow covered seal yeah yeah you know depending on what kind of covering it has over the over the opening or the hole or whatever just make sure that 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 snow didn't pack around it what would you in that scenario you know there's a blizzard coming would you pre pre-start a fire in that so that the chimney is hot enough to melt the snow as it's falling well, depending on how hard it comes down, I don't think it's going to matter. 
you know, if, if we're talking a stove that's on the floor and then the vent goes, let's say to the ceiling, I don't know, maybe the older ones, maybe, maybe they may, might've put it through the wall, but if you're talking about the ceiling, the distance with that distance, I can't imagine the heat is going to be as hot as it is once it gets up to that part, especially above above your roof and the air and everything. I, I don't know if it's going to melt. And if it does, is it just going to melt a little bit? Is it going to melt it fast enough that, you know, you're getting, what was it, overnight, you're stomach deep in snow. Is that going to melt it fast enough? I mean, eventually what's around it is going to pile up and, I just don't see it. I just don't see it keeping clear with that much snow coming down. I I, th- I think it would out snow the heat on it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm not kind of kind of like how you like what with what you've dealt with. You know, you might warm it up, but is it going to stay warm enough, or is it going to freeze? You know, once. You know, that it might melt a little bit and then run and then it's going to freeze. <laughs> it just depends on where it's located. Yeah, I guess you'd have to. I guess you'd have to determine that once you got there. Because that would be the first thing, right? Is you'd have to clear that vent off. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if it's out the side, then it would be fine. If it's out the top, is it covered? And if it's covered, how much? Mm-hmm. How much would it melt that? I mean, is it, if, is it a single open floor plant plan, single cabin, you know, where everything's kind of open? Right. And it's, you know, only an eight foot, eight foot ceiling kind of thing, or mm-hmm. it's short. Then maybe, maybe you could get, get around that. But the other thing would be, how do you get up there to clear it off? If right. it is covered. You didn't buy a flamethrower when you got supplies before going out there? No. Jeez. I wish I wish I had one <laughs> here to melt yeah. the ice on my driveway. That'd be nice. <laughs> but no, well, I mean, I guess it depends on your uh, financial situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, then you would just leave, right? You just strap right, the yeah. flamethrower to the front of the truck and roll Oh, yeah. There you go. Just mount it to the front. That'd be awesome. Just angle it down a little bit. and Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and uh, an additional thing in this is take the, the wood, you know, and just bring it inside so that way it can dry, stack it up close to the, to the stove. And this guy's even suggesting uh, basically making, <laughs> as he, he calls it, Summon your inner child and build a multi-layered living room tent out of the tarps and blankets that you brought. So, you know, okay. it'd be, so it's going to be an A-frame style shelter. Uh, the back is with the back sealed to the floor and the opening facing the stove, which makes sense because then you're trapping the heat. It's coming in to the tent air, you know, it's bouncing off that back and staying in. It's not escaping. Doing this creates insulating effect between us and the interior walls, reducing the amount of fire we need to burn to stay reasonably reasonably warm. So, yeah, uh, efficiently heating yourself and not burning through your supplies as fast. 
is a good idea. There's three of you. Somebody's gonna somebody's always gonna have to be on fire duty. So you're gonna have to swap out. Somebody's gonna have to watch the the stove to make sure it doesn't go out. Which I guess would depend on how cold is it in there and do you have the supplies to relight it? You know, I, I don't think if you go to the store and you're buying extra lighters and some, or even like, you know, like a starting log or whatever, stuff like that, if it starts to go out, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal to, to get it relit. Just, you don't want the thing going out because it's so cold. So, you know, maybe, you know, feeding it would probably be more important than worrying about it going out. Yeah. And I know um, the, the, some stoves like that, once you've had a fire in there for, you know, four five, six hours that it could go out, you know, you just kind of rake the coals a little bit, throw a dry piece of wood in there and mm-hmm. it'll, it'll kick back up. So as long as it's not out for four or five hours, um, which if it is, you probably got other problems. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I can, I can see that depending on how big that stove is. If it's not that big, then yeah, you might be putting a log in there every, 30 minutes or mm-hmm. you know an hour or something yeah now i guess something I, I didn't think about the person that is doing this this fire watch um another job for them is to check the emergency radio and listen for anything you know hey are you getting more are they starting to click you know whatever you know whatever they're gonna let you know Everybody else has got power out that, you know, that'll give you a better idea if there's any hope of somebody coming by in the next day or two or not, or, or what everybody else is dealing with, along with how you set up this little room to stay warm in, try, you know, like you were talking about, if it's a huge open floor plan, it's going to be trickier, but if there's multiple rooms seal those as well and then it, it, it acts as like an airlock so you might lose a little bit of heat in that next room but the further you go that's even less cold air coming in you know just like like you would with anything else yes yeah, i saw that in here using a window in one of those other rooms to go in and out if, yeah if that's, that's a, yeah <laughs> yeah if it's you know, too high <laughs> Well, if the if the door is to outside is in the same room as the stove, you don't yeah, want to be going too. in and out that door. Right, you'll be losing a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. So you may want to go out a window anyway. Right. You know, on a sealed, a sealed yeah. room, the furthest room away, so that way you're not getting that air back into the. Yeah, I thought you were talking about this <laughs> doors to nowhere. I was not aware of this, but it makes sense. Uh, so up north, some buildings have what's called a door to nowhere. And it's specifically for if the snow is very high. So instead of having to push, try to push a door out into the snow or having to bury yourself out, there's a door that's higher up that you could go out with hopes of going out on top of the snow. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. 
that's yeah that way that way you don't have to tunnel you know in or out or open up the door and worry about stuff falling in or anything like that you can just go out this door and hopefully be on top of everything so if you have snowshoes or whatever then then you're good to go that's interesting that is very interesting (laughs) and then some tips i guess if it gets really really bad and you're there forever you're gonna probably have to start breaking down furniture cabinets and then worst case scenarios the building itself um obviously you would want to go with that airlock system the furthest room you know you know structure you know and you gotta be careful with the structure structure too but you want to start taking stuff from that far room and then slowly working your way in so that way you're not uh, compromising your insulation or or anything else so when on here do we get to the donner party (laughs) (laughs) well you see we have hunting and nourishment and fighting panic here coming up so that might be that might be coming up here i mean it says like two weeks though right so yeah two two weeks so um so let's say it's not too terrible and you are able to get out so it's just kind of the 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 stuff i think everybody knows wear layers because if you have layers you can regulate your temperature better if you start to get hot you can take some of those layers off to cool off so that way you're not sweating and then which eventually is going to make you cold make sure you know if you if you're a gear person you have all kinds of packs backpacks and everything so make sure you have those some of those too so that way you can actually store you know if you're taking layers off you can throw them in there it keeps them dry and then they're always there for when you need them uh when you start getting cold uh additional items to avoid uh you know just help you to avoid cold injury uh face masks key goggles hand and boot warmers trail mix i don't think that helps you avoid cold injury but that helps if you're out hunting uh thermos binoculars and emergency fire sparing kit so like you you already covered you know if you carry a lighter um i think i have a couple that have uh ferro rods in them which are fun but you really got to have the right kind of tinder to get it started if you're going to use those <laughs> it's not like just holding a flame up to something yeah i mean in a pinch you know like i said if you got a deck of cards or something or a board game with paper instructions you can yeah use that kind of stuff but um additionally if you're that far out in the back country you probably don't want to get too far from where you're staying because you're not familiar with the area uh but if you are uh maybe you know like you said financial situation maybe look into like a sat phone or a gps system which i don't know how well those would work up there you know satellite probably is a little would help you a little bit more since you know you're using satellites versus cell towers you don't have self-service out there old school go with a compass (laughs) work on those uh compass and map skills there and uh neon oh i what was that what was that movie is that hateful eight 
which is kind of funny. That's, you know, they're all stuck in a cabin in a blizzard, True. you know, and, and, and they did, they did a form of this in, in a uh, flagging. So neon flagging. So that way along the way, you're just putting neon, uh, I'm assuming they're plastic, just bright neon plastic, you know, leaving the breadcrumbs right. behind you and, and doing that. So that way, if you are going out a bit, it's easier for you to find your way back. And, and if they're plastic, I mean, you can pick them up on your way back and use them again. Yeah, definitely. And then in this, in this one, they, they're using, I'm assuming this is like, like you're saying, like an elk or something like that. Cause they keep talking about if you're going out to a blind, so you could do that to make the path and then just leave it up if it's feasible to go back and forth, hoping to find, you know, something to shoot to, to bring back to the cabin. Right. So what this guy has to say next about uh, food, obviously in the situation, three, having your nice three meals a day isn't going to be as important. Uh, the most important thing is staying hydrated. And that's, and that's that weird thing during the winter that you got to worry about because you're not, it's not like summer where you're sweating all the time and, and it, it kind of helps you feel that you're thirsty. Right. <laughs> Whereas in the winter, you know, I mean, we were just talking about, you know, uh, out shoveling snow. I did get hot doing that. And there was a couple of times, depending on the day, I just took my coat off because I got hot and I would, I would shovel out there if the wind wasn't blowing that bad, but I always came back in. And I was like, damn, I'm really thirsty. <laughs> I drink a couple glasses of water when I come back in. I can see how that, how that would sneak up on you. Did you, did you throw some strike force in that water? <laughs> I was already energized. That was, that was the morning. That was when I got up. I was like, oh, I'm going to need this. Because <laughs> obviously you would have that. That's right. In this cabin with you, right? Of course, before I went there, I would go to strikeforceenergy.com and I'd use the code AFTERSHOCK for 20% off and make sure it got to me beforehand. So that way I had a little something, a little pick me up in the morning. So you could take it with you on the trip. Absolutely. Well, that's true too. Yeah. Those little packets, you know. Right. I mean, if they had a good mail service, you just have them ship a bottle up there. And... There you go. <laughs> That way, I mean, between three people, you could probably go through the bottle in the couple of days that you were supposed to have, if, you know, you your trip. A, if you had a bottle of strike force, you could probably just run back to town <laughs> to get help. It'd be the only place in the whole state that didn't have snow on its property. No. That's right. Uh, <laughs> there's our there's our ad. Yeah, there's there's our shameless plug. <laughs> But no, um, you're right. Uh, staying hydrated in winter is a lot harder than, <laughs> than in the summer. Yeah. And like like you said at the beginning, though, the nice thing is you're surrounded by the snow. So the only thing that you got to do is just make sure that you're you're boiling it. Yeah. And I mean, if you if you've got a container, obviously, you probably have a water bottle. Most people have water bottles. You could boil it. And then as it cools, you could put it back, put it in a water bottle set it outside for five, 10 minutes and let it get cold. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's drinkable at that point. I mean, you might want to drink warm water. Yeah. Stay, keep your body yeah. temperature up. Yeah. Keep your body temperature up, but that's, that's a good point. Um, yeah. You know, that's a thing. 
I know this is a, a hair off topic, but I heard that there is um, Asian countries that, that don't drink cold water. They drink like room temperature water. Mm. And, and the reason is so your body doesn't use energy warming the water. Hmm. I thought that was odd, but it was something I, I had heard that like years ago. I don't didn't do the research to see if that's true. Right. Um, but it makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, especially if you're not, I mean, if you're, you know, some of these places where it's more agricultural or, I mean, you say Asia, so Asia is a huge, huge <laughs> part of the world. So maybe, maybe not so much like in a modern setting but you know there's still nomadic tribes there's you know people that are still very uh rural out there i I can imagine that you know they're out working you know in fields or doing whatever they got to do because they're just basically whatever they're doing is for their existence you know they're not going to a nine to five you know they're they'll need that energy That, that that makes sense to me yeah yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's an interesting side. Now, now I'm going to have to look that up after we're done. Yeah. Another thing that uh, they're telling you in this, that if you have access, and this goes back to that learning about the plant, other plants and animals in the area that you're going to, this says if you have, if there's certain evergreen trees uh, there, you may be able to use the needles and scales to make uh, a tea and it has a very high vitamin C content. So one, it's not water, <laughs> it's tea. So it help breaks up just having water all the time. And two, you're getting some vitamins. So that, that would be good. And then this says, and I guess this kind of goes for any kind of situation, really, you don't just have to be snowed in. But if you're in a situation where you're restricting what you're uh how much you're you're consuming just for rationing purposes uh try and eat whatever you're going to eat before you go out to do something i guess strenuous so if you're going to go hunt or if you're going to you know go get wood or whatever try taking your food before then so that way you have the energy in the tank to go do that and probably more efficiently that way you don't gas out and then <laughs> cause a problem. Somebody has to give you a Snickers. Yeah. You're not, <laughs> you're not yourself. And then last thing he has to say is uh, more of a kind of a mindset thing. Uh, they title this section fighting panic. And it just says, keep your spirits high uh, because it helps you. You know, if you're injured, it helps you or it helps you avoid that kind of, you know, getting sick. Um, it's going to be boring stuck in a room <laughs> all the time. So do things to, you know, take your mind off of that where, you know, whether it's, you know, restocking restock, wood, stacking it or, you know, keeping certain areas nice and clean, going through and doing checks, uh, you know, making a game. Or like you said, if you brought cards, 
hopefully you had you have something you know maybe you brought some magazines or you know some cards or something like that just just something to take your mind off of the suckiness of the situation absolutely <laughs> your recoil and off-grid magazine yeah there you go hopefully you, plug number two hopefully you walked in and there was a a, a a coffee table with just magazines spread out for you some some reading material yes you brought your little wilderness guides or something like that i mean you know going back to you know what we said at the beginning if you only have three and a half hours of daylight i mean you've got to have other stuff to do right yeah you would think i mean you're not most people don't sleep for 20 hours a day. <laughs> Most people don't. Yeah. Most people don't. So, you know, if, if that was your plan all along is to hunt, you're going to hunt for pr- probably the three and a half hours that the sun's up, but yeah. then you've got a lot of other time to do something in that cabin. So hopefully that is <laughs> something that you, you weren't surprised by. Moving on to this other guy. We have cold weather survival instructor, Jerry Saunders, and he talks about, I guess, in 1991, there was a Canadian C-130 Hercules that crashed 12 miles from the base that it was trying to resupply, but they had a severe blizzard and it took the Canadian military over 30 hours to get to the crash site. So they were 12 miles away from the base, but it took them 30 hours to get out there. Now, was it because of the snow or were the Canadians just waiting for permission from the snow to get through since there's bad Canadian jokes since they're too nice? Um, (laughs) According to this, many people uh, died uh, from exposure and apparently at that time, it was negative 60 degrees Fahrenheit. I can't even imagine that cold. I can't either. I think I've been in negative teens and maybe 20s, but I can't remember. I can't imagine negative 60. Yeah, that's that seems crazy. So, so this guy's philosophy is being stuck in a cabin for two weeks, as in this scenario, is an inconvenience. Don't turn it into a survival situation for everyone. <laughs> Donner party of three. That's right. <laughs> so his his prep. So he starts out with with a comms plan and says that if he knows that a blizzard's coming, you know, and there's a possibility that <laughs> his a 72 hour hunting trip might turn into a future survival documentary, he's going to call the lodge owner before leaving and ask about uh, contingen- contingencies and available resources in the area. So that's another, on top of researching your, your flora, your fauna, your, you know, nearby, you know, call, which is smart, call the person that um, they probably do know the area. So, you know, and then that would be the good point. Good time. Hey, what is, what is actually stocked there? You know, have you been there since the last, you know, did you rent this out to somebody else before? Have you been there since they were there? You know, what, what all is actually up there in case we run into some some bad weather? He's also saying he's going to leave his, a very detailed itinerary. I don't know how detailed you're going to get on a three-day hunting trip where you're staying in a cabin. But same 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 idea. 
as the the previous guy we talked about emergency contacts give them instructions you know hey if you don't hear from me in a certain amount of time start calling yeah um, i mean I, I don't know how expensive like a sat phone is but i do know they they can they'll sell like the like the minute cards i guess for them okay can't so, just go just go pick them up at walmart and... yeah i mean if, <laughs> well i'm not going to run out of minutes maybe not at walmart <laughs> but if if you do this for you know if, if you do something like this once a year mm-hmm. you probably have a good gps and, and a sat phone and you're probably. gonna pick up a minutes card or whatever that i mean that wouldn't be a bad idea that's probably something in your prep anyway right mm-hmm. so you're gonna say hey we're gonna me and the buddies are, are renting a cabin going hunting uh when we get there for the night i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you you know don't answer the phone i'm gonna call you from the sat phone i'm gonna leave you a message to ping my location and tell you mm-hmm. everything's okay and whatever so you call home call the wife call whatever and, and say hey made it everything's good i'll i'll call in 12 hours if you don't hear from me in 24 mm-hmm. you know this is the last location that we'll be at we're in the cabin this is where this is at you know so if you have that kind of a plan there you know that makes total sense like i said if you're if you have done this if or if you're planning on doing this you know a lot of people do that anyway and i think bo does it i think bo has like a gps kind of a like a locator thing of some sort when he goes out and it's just for safety right so right somebody doesn't hear from you in your in your 24-hour window or whatever then they're going to call call the local whoever park ranger or somebody up in that area to say hey mm-hmm. you know i had a sat phone hit 24 hours ago and here's the last known location or whatever i'm sure there's mm-hmm. ways to access that makes total sense well if anybody's interested and this is just the first thing that popped up so if you look at the satellitephonestore.com, the one of their cheaper models for a sat phone is $345. So, and obviously then it goes up from there. And it's just like a regular cell phone. You have a plan that you pay for. And I believe I saw something about rentals i mean help they have terminals they have all kinds of stuff on here too i mean because obviously obviously people that go boating and that kind of stuff they're going to need something like this as well so i guess you know hey depending on financial situation you might have that so that way you can you, you can stay in contact that would be that would be a good idea yeah i mean if if that's your if that's something that you do for fun and, and like I said, you do it even once a year in my book, that'd be, that'd be worth it. It'd also be worth something that, that you keep in your vehicle as a, as an everyday prep, right? I mean, we talk about being prepared for stuff. We get, you know, you get hit with a storm here and the power grid goes down and then the cell phone towers go out and, you know, hey, I'm gonna go to my Alaska hunting pack, bust right. out my sat phone, yeah, <laughs> and make a phone call. You know what I mean? So, 
if this is something you do, I don't, I'm not, I'm not advocating for all of our listeners to go bust out three, three forty five for a sat phone. Right. Yeah. But if this is something that you do, if you go hunting or if you do a lot of hiking or something, 345 is not that expensive. I mean, I'm on that website too. You scroll down and you got a thousand dollar one here. That, right. That's a tad yeah. expensive. I mean, you got you still have to play for, pay you still have to pay for the plan. Right. But like you say, if this is something you do all the time, you're limited on minutes, free incoming calls, but you're not shelling. So say you go the cheap route, you got 345 for the cheap one versus how much does a cell phone cost now? It's a lot more than that. And then, I mean, you maybe you'll be able to play snake on it maybe, but <laughs> well, that's, that's not what it's for. You know, it's an emergency, it's an emergency phone. So you can make contact real quick. So, I mean, I mean it, it's kind of cheaper. Let's, I mean, let's think about this for a second before, before getting too off into the weeds, there's a, uh, there's a service plan right beside that phone mm-hmm. and it's $45 a month for 10 minutes or $60 a month for 10 minutes. I don't know what the difference between those two plans are. You know, in, in my book, if I did this once a year, or if I was traveling a lot, driving a lot through rural back countries of West Virginia or whatnot. You know, I was, I was traveling to Asheville, but I did, I had cell coverage all the way there. But mm-hmm. if, if you're traveling a lot for work, 345 is not bad, right? That's not mm-hmm. expensive, but I could personally, I could justify $45 a month because I waste that much money, right? Probably a right. month <laughs> on junk, on snacks, on whatever just for the peace of mind that I've got 10 minutes on that phone and they probably have something that, you know, if you use more minutes, you know, you're going to get charged per minute or something. Mm-hmm. Right. But just to keep the plan up, just to throw that thing in your truck or, or whatever your EDC bag, your get home bag, that would be fairly justifiable in my book. So I, you know, food and- for thought. a month. I mean, that's not, that's not terrible for something, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that just depends on what you're going to, I mean, I'm just looking at the plans. That's just based off of that one phone. All of them are different. I think based on what kind of phone, which I'm assuming is just what satellite and the capabilities. There's so many different plans, minutes and and money wise on that. Like it could be, be all over the place. That's not just, a single representative of what all of them are right i mean you could even it has rentals on here for 30 bucks a week yep I, I don't know i mean if if like i said if you're using that if you're if you're doing a hunting trip two or three or four times a month or a year a year um be well worth it mm-hmm. i would think right and i guess that could go that could be, go with this uh this added uh, this additional thing right here that, that he's saying uh, he's suggesting bringing the right gear so whereas based on the scenario you were trying to get your supplies after you landed you know which you know food and stuff like that you're probably going to want to get but like if we we're talking like if we needed additional you know you needed an axe or you needed whatever a saw or something um, you know he said 
that one of the best pieces of gear you can take with you to an extreme cold weather environment is a ticket for an extra checked bag. So he's, he's saying, you know, he has an old, you know, an old uh, military sea bag because it's long enough to hold bigger items, you know, and it's tough. So he can throw snowshoes or axes or saws or, you know, big clunky items, you know, because if you're going in the cold, everything's clunky. You know, you have snow boots and all that other stuff. So he's just saying, just pack all that stuff ahead of time, throw it in there. Then you don't have to worry about finding it, renting it. And, um, you know, these places that you're going to that are more remote, you know, I guess it would depend on how you fly in too. But if they're pretty remote, sometimes the supply chain isn't the greatest. I mean, it's not good now everywhere, but (laughs) in that place. And I mean, even imagine doing something like that now, you know, there's not, there may be a chance that what you're looking for isn't going to be there. Well, you could always, um, you know, obviously you're flying into someplace with an airport. So if there's, I would imagine there'd be like a FedEx store there. You could also ship yourself stuff to get held at a FedEx store. Right. And that's, and that's if you're flying into an airport, um, like with Alaska, I know sometimes a lot of times you fly to an airport, but then you're jumping into a smaller plane. Right. And then maybe you're flying maybe to another plane or something. And then they're, you know, there's just this strip cut out and you're landing there and then you're, you're, you're hoofing it, which obviously you're not because in, in this scenario, you're, you're, so you're probably more than likely coming from an airport, but so like what you're saying, that would apply. Yeah. Cause you could, I mean, depending on how remote it is, you there's, um, what is it? They have the, the Amazon drop boxes. Oh yeah. You know, you could ship stuff to the mm-hmm. FedEx store. If you don't have it, you could buy it and have it dropped off at one of those Amazon boxes to pick up when you get in town. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to get supplies there that, I mean, the scenario is you've planned for this for months. So, you know, in Alaska, if you knew it took two weeks to get something shipped there from FedEx, I mean, you should ship yourself a, you know, a Pelican case full of supplies. Like this thing says the ax and snowshoes and saw and shovel and and whatnot that you don't want to take with you on the airplane to the FedEx store. And if you don't have it and like, Oh, well, I don't have a, I don't have an avalanche shovel. So I'll just buy one on Amazon and have it (laughs) and pick it up on an Amazon Dropbox. Right. Right. Cause I'm sure they have it. Um, (laughs) They, you know, you could, you could do stuff like that or uh, I don't know. You could probably order one through Home Depot or something and pick it up in the store there. So, yeah, who knows? There's a, there's a lot of ways of I like that the bring bring the right gear because I you know like I said in my scenario is you, you would you would think you would research some of that stuff and find out mm-hmm. what the weather pattern is and what's going on and what do you need? I I hate that personally. I hate showing up somewhere totally feeling like I was unprepared for what I was getting myself into. So, so this next one is good. I mean, this, this is your, 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 your reconnaissance before you go 
sure you can find them somewhere. Well, I guess this is the same print your own. You make maps, uh, make hard copies of them, and then uh, you laminate them. So that way everybody in the party gets gets one. And on these maps, you, you know, do routes. So like, you know, from here, you know, this is how we would get to the airport or this would be the best way to, you know, if we need to medevac somebody out, you know, that way everybody's on the same page. Everybody has, has a map, you know, something happens, you know, maybe there's maybe only one person is trying to get the other two out. You know, everybody's, everybody has a copy. They're not fumbling around trying to figure out where, where Bill hit, hit the map and all of the, the junk and it's behind the wood pile or something. You know, I, I used to do that. I used to have a, one of those national Atlas. Remember the oh, big, the big oh, Atlas yeah. books. I used to, I used to care. I, I used to, <laughs> I'm, I'm old enough. I used to have one of those, the big book in the, in my car, at least yeah. for the state. And you're absolutely. And I, you know, I, 20 plus years ago when I lived in Texas, I drive back and forth. And oh, yeah. if you didn't print out the map quest route, then you had an Atlas sitting on the passenger seat, you know? Yep. So I used to have one of those and they had one, um, you know, I have a, I have a Harley motorcycle and I was a member of the hog hog group or whatever, but every year Mo- motorcycle gang, well, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a gang. It was, it's Harley owners group or something. Oh, okay. Where you got a, it was like, you got a card and it had like roadside assistance. Oh, okay. You were yeah, kind of prepaying yeah. for that. And every year they would send out a, it, it was an atlas of maps of the United States and lower, lower 48. And the reason they sent it out is because on the maps, it had all the Harley dealerships in the States, but it was still a roadmap. And it was a lot smaller than that old, you know, yeah, huge spiral brown thing. And I was like, man, that's, that's something that I need to throw in the motorcycle or throw in the car. Mm-hmm that you have i mean that's a very good asset like this like you were saying because my first thought when it says print a map like well if you got a gps you don't have to worry about it well two weeks without power using (laughs) a lot that's going to die right yeah it's not going to be good for forever so yeah that'd be that's something that i didn't i didn't yeah i I think about i wouldn't wouldn't have thought of that but and the so i ha- i don't have any experience with the site i'm actually now just tinkering around with it right now there's plenty of of sites online that you can find that you know will show you all kinds of different kinds of maps whether it's in that you know a topography map or landmarks or anything like that this this one that this this person suggests is caltopo.com c-a-l-t-o-p-o anybody else uses stuff like that or whatever let us you know comment let us know what you use because i would like to actually start looking at that kind of stuff i I think that's interesting this site shows has so many different overlays contours uh slope uh, geology public land structures motor vehicle stuff fire sun exposure weather shading wind avalanche like there's tons of stuff on here most of the stuff i probably won't even know what it is but (laughs) marine charts historical yeah there's there's all kinds of stuff on these so maybe something to go play around on you know just looking at different areas 
Um, but there's, there's tons of other stuff online, you know, you can get on, do that, print out your maps. And if you have a map, like we were talking about earlier, have a compass. <laughs> that would be helpful. A, a good compass, not a, not a, a compass in your watch or yeah <laughs> those little bubble compasses on in your watch I, I will say you know the other thing on that watch some youtube videos yes. learn how to use it i mean having a compass is one thing yes well waiting, that and how to read your map yeah yeah when when you not waiting until you need to use it mm -hmm. to realize that you're trying to get on youtube to watch video and you don't have cell service to kind mm -hmm. of figure out how to use your compass so there's a lot of videos on on that on you know on youtube just to check it out well and you also have to if you're going to cover large distances there's a difference between true north and magnetic north and that varies depending where you're at in the world as well so if you don't have far to go it's not to, you know, if you just need to figure out, oh, I know I came, I came from Southeast and I have no idea which way I'm facing. Oh, there's, a, okay, now I'm good. But if you're using it to actually find certain things and you got to, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be humping it for a little bit. You're going to make sure you got to make sure because you could, you could end up in that general direction, but you're going to be, you're going to be missing it and you're going to be more lost than, than where you were. Yeah, and if and if the sun's only up for three hours, you're not going to get a very good <laughs> east <laughs> rise and west sunset. Yeah. You know, it's going to be kind of low. Yep, yeah, it's all the, in that it's all in that direction. Yeah, yeah, that's something that that we get really no matter the season. Yeah, the sun the sun's out less in the winter, so it's a little lower, but it's still it's still pretty east. Yeah, when it comes up and pretty western. Uh -huh. <laughs> In Alaska, I bet that's a little bit different. That's right. a little different. A little bit. Um, he kind of rehashes some of the same stuff with with clothing. He just says avoid cotton, um, some wool. Yeah, there's a that's a whole whole field of weeds to get into when you start talking about clothing and synthetics and stuff like that. Most importantly, you know, avoid tight stuff. If you're not walking, loosen your boots up for you don't want them to swell again layers having the right stuff in the right order and I like this it says tidy whities have no yeah. place in the tundra <laughs> yep <laughs> bring only bring wool socks don't skimp here wear only one pair unless you buy the next size up two pairs in the same size will be too constricting i've probably been guilty of that before because i just Oh, I'm going out real quick. I'll just throw. <laughs> I think I think as that was as a kid, I would throw. It's it's very rare for me to to wear thick socks right now, but I'm usually not out in the cold that much. So if I was, I'm sure that would be something I would take under consideration. You know, once your feet get cold, it kind of goes downhill from there, right? Yeah, unless I mean, you unless you change. Yeah, I, I mean, but it's. I mean, if you're outside in the winter at a bonfire or whatever, mm -hmm. once your feet get cold, feet feet gets cold. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, you can you can stand close to the bonfire and you can get warm from the knees up, 
but if your feet are cold, dude, it turns miserable really fast. Yeah. You know, so that's a that's kind of a big deal. I mean, there's you know, get thinsulate boots and wear wool socks, and mm-hmm. you know that that helps a that helps a lot. You know, if you're mm-hmm. you're you can rewarm your hands up. You know, you stick them in your armpits. Yeah, kind of under your coat, pull them out of the sleeves inside your coat. Mm-hmm. Stick them in your armpits, and your hands will warm up. Yeah, it's your feet, man. Not that flexible. It's not that flexible. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna. You're not gonna be able to pull them up your pants and sit on them. But yeah, dude, and that I I didn't think of that. That if you're gonna layer wool socks, because I haven't really I haven't done that. I'm kind of like you. I'm don't necessarily warm. wear thick socks. Yeah, I'm I'm warm footed. If I know I'm gonna be outside for an extended period of time, sure. Uh, but I never even thought about layering socks. Mm-hmm. And since I didn't think about that, I wouldn't have thought of buying two different sizes of socks. Yeah. But that makes so. total sense. I would I would say, though, on a side note from that, make sure you try out your boots with two pairs of socks on. Yeah, you may need to buy Definitely. Boots. Yeah. And you don't want to be too constricted. Like, yeah, that's that's definitely important. Yeah, so if that's a thing and you think you might be doing that, then you might want two sets of boots. Yeah, you're probably going to bring a couple anyways for whatever you're doing. Right. That gave me that gave me a bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. That gave me a flashback. Tell a quick war story from back when I was in the army. I was stationed in Germany for about six seven months, and the area I was in. It's kind of like what we have, like the seasons, you know, it snows and gets cold in the winter and then it gets nice, you know, during the spring and the summer and all that. Well, it was winter and the base I was on was, it's an old, like old, like there was, this is how old it was. Some of the barracks still had keystones above the door that had like helmets and swastikas from World War II. There were old World War II barracks. Wow had been updated on the inside so that you know but it was a small base so when they turned this into you know the military base that it that that we would use (laughs) most of the stuff wasn't actually in the actual base it was outside yeah so which was a pain which was a pain because when you're there and you know you're in a different country you might not have a vehicle and they expect you to go to formation and you've got to find a ride every time to go out to these stupid things but even worse was the where we'd have to meet up we would we do uh we would do uh, ruck marches every once in a while and they intentionally had us do one in the winter it was there was probably a good at least six seven inches of snow on the ground at this time of course i couldn't find a ride for this one so i actually rucked out to the ruck Mm. And then luckily I found a drive on the oh, somebody to give me a ride on the way back. But yeah, this was one of those where everybody's walking, you've got your, your packs and you got your, you know, you got your vest and your helmet and all that stuff on. And I think about a handful of people were injured because they, because there was ice underneath it. So people were slipping and getting hurt. If they were lucky, they would slip and fall back on their pack and they wouldn't get hurt. But this was, I don't remember how, how many miles this one was. But part of it was at the halfway point or the turnaround point, they would make everybody stop 
and you would have to hang out for 15, 20 minutes or so, or however long it was, while you started getting cold. Well, part of your packing list was extra socks and a shirt, uh, boots if you needed them. I mean, your pack had to be a certain weight anyways, so you could throw that stuff in there. That's an experience when you're taking your all of your gear off that's trapped all that body heat in, changing your shirt, your, your, your undershirt out to put all that stuff back on and then taking your boots and your socks off and you know, you're sweating cause you've just been walking and carrying all this gear and then you have to turn around and head back. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting thing to have to do. I bet in the cold, in the cold. Yeah. You know, just nothing but steam everywhere coming off of people because it's cold out did not make me want to be one of those polar bear people i i I just just didn't have the urge to go jump into cold bodies of water so not not for me no (laughs) that's crazy you had a pre-ruck ruck ruck, yeah real ruck and then the real ruck yeah yeah lieutenant asked me if i was being an asshole he's like did I just pass you ruck into the rug? Yeah, trying to make us look like a bunch of assholes. I was like, no, I just didn't have a ride. <laughs> I made it, I'm alive. So, but back to this guy's stuff. I guess this is kind of a, a random section where other things, and I guess I didn't think of this. We were talking about food. Uh, well, he's talking about a, a little personal camp stove, which I guess you could take if you didn't know that there was going to be a working stove there. Freeze dried meals. I didn't think anything about that. He said he normally takes freeze-dried meals because they're small, they're compressed, and wrapped in duct tape for the best storage. So there you go. You're you're kind of doing a double. You can put tape on it that you you know it's kind of like the paracord thing. You know, you put it on on a knife. You use the knife and it helps with your grip. But then if you need the paracord, you can take the paracord off and you can use it for something else in a pinch. You know may not be enough for everything uh i don't know where i mean obviously he would know better than i would because he's a cold weather expert uh in a cold weather environment your calorie is going to increase from 2000 calories to about 9000 i didn't realize it would be that much wow he was on a ski trip in the Arctic and was eating a pound of butter and six chocolate bars a day on top of the three meals he was already eating and still losing weight. <laughs> so by lots of butter, chocolate, and bacon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that's, a, that's skiing though. So you're Correct. exerting a lot of energy. Yeah. Would you need that on something like this? Probably not 9,000, but. Well, depends how much wood you got to chop. If you got a lot of wood to chop or if you got a hoof it back to town yes i can i could see that but yeah yeah and additionally he's also i guess he's fond of ramen (laughs) he says on his way you know that that supply stop before you get to the cabin i guess he likes to get uh a 12 pack of ramen and he likes the spicy ones because they warm you up quicker so i guess if you can handle if you can handle the spicy stuff and you're not going to have to find a separate area outside, maybe the outhouse. <laughs> you have to worry about that. Then you'll be, then that's good for you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, that's the thing that, you know, when, when COVID hit, everybody was buying supplies. I mean, ramen's cheap. 
cheap, man. It's what, very cheap. Yeah. If you can find back. it, if you can find it, I know it's kind of sporadic here lately. Right. It's cheap. I mean, it's like, you know, like we said earlier, it's like buying rice and tuna, a lot of calories for little money and uh, take up less room. Ramen doesn't take up a whole lot of room at all. And it doesn't weigh right. that much. If you're already boiling water, there you go. Yeah. Just chuck a pack of ramen in there. Mm-hmm. So I guess I never really thought of this. This would be part of your before you go kind of deal. If you're going with other people, you know, like the whole situation where everybody's going to have the same maps with the same routes and all that kind of quiz each other or like make sure everybody's kind of stuck to the same plan. You know, did you leave, you know, did you leave a good contact plan with your people? Uh, Do you need any meds? Did you bring them? Does anybody have allergies? You know, and I would even suggest, you know, hey, all right, so here's here's the map. What's this thing? What's that thing? Make sure they actually know what they're looking at. Make sure, you know, if you're the one handing out the maps, make sure everybody else knows what they're looking at. And you're not the only one that can decipher what all this stuff is, because if you're if you're down and out, it does them no good if they know if they don't know what they're looking at. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's like minded people that you're going on this trip with. Right. So you don't want to you don't want to do that. It's like, well, you got a sat phone. Well, didn't you just buy twelve packs of ramen? <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't I mean you usually bring three wool blankets? And it's like, dude, Donner Party just turned into two, buddy. You're staying at the airport, you know. So hopefully, you know, the friends you're taking on this trip already have the same mindset. Mm. If not, they're close enough friends that you could be like, yeah, I bought that for me. I got a gun. Don't touch my ramen. Right. <laughs> or we won't have to hunt for meat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully that kind of takes care of itself. I, I do like the, where it says in here, you know, double check each other with medication and, and like allergies. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't want to buy three pounds of peanut butter and a guy's like, Oh, I'm allergic to peanut butter. It's like, Oh, <laughs> Well, that sucks. You know what I mean? You know, as you reach across the table and grab it like a bunch of a stack of poker chips, and you're like, "Well, then yeah. there's more for me." Yeah. Well, I mean, there's you know, there's people that you know they can't hardly smell it. Yeah. You know, if you're like, "Oh, my prep is this gallon of peanut butter," and somebody goes, "Dude, I'm deathly allergic to that." Okay, I guess I'm not eating anything. You know, or... I'll be I'll be eating this in airlock number two. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> so me and my peanut butter is going outside to eat. Yeah. So yeah, I do like that. I mean, if you don't know, ask. People have egg egg allergies and peanut butter allergies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of those, I mean, a lot of those high uh, high calorie energy bars have like <laughs> peanuts and nuts and stuff right. like that in it, them. So yeah, you don't want to you don't want to say, hey guys, I bought I bought a case of this, and one guy's like, oh, I can't have that. If right. you're helping supply the group, that's true. You kind of want to ask before you spend the money on something like that. Yep. That's a good idea. Well, I guess the next thing here is we're going to get a, a crash course in wood stoves, which, 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 yeah, I mean, it's good. It's going to be different than, you know, I mean, there's how many different ways to do a fire you know, if you were outside. So, Knowing how to work a wood stove is 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 a good thing, if that's you know if that's what they have. 
he starts by saying cold air is heavy and start with a clean stove make sure make sure that all the ports are open you know these are just holes and so that way because you want to draw in as much oxygen as possible and this is for when you're trying to get it started the very beginning of your fire has to be really strong in order to push that cold air up and out so you've got all that cold air settled you know in your piping you know so you're gonna have to push all of that that out with with your fire at first if it's only snow that's blocking the pipe it'll burn up and through it but if it's ice you're gonna have to go out and clear whatever's there now like we were talking before i don't know how that's going to work in a blizzard situation you know is it, is it going to create ice or is it going to be <laughs> you know i think yeah. you would you would still you would still want it to be at least vented because like when you look at those diagrams of the little I don't know what you would call it. Basically, if you're in a situation where there was so much snow that you could tunnel into it and make a spot, you know, and the, I think it usually does what, like three different levels. Uh, the first one is like where your entrance is, and that's the, where the a cold air sink. That's so that way the cold air can settle down there. The next one up is so you can do stuff, and then the next one's supposed to be your bed, the highest one. Well, even in that situation, you still have to poke a hole to the surface. So that way it can vent. Right. So I would imagine the same, the same would apply for, for this, just, you know, is it going to be hot enough to burn the, the snow? You know, the, the more I think about it, if, if it's a cabin in Alaska, they, pro it probably has provisions for that. You know, they probably get a lot of snow. Yeah. So it probably has, you know, maybe a five or six, eight foot stack going out the roof or, you know, a foot out the side. Maybe. Yeah, you yeah. would you would think that it's not definitely you would want to look for that, yeah, and double check. But I would I would I would like to assume that there's provisions for that not being a thing. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't know. Somebody, anybody listening, live or been in Alaska? Let us know. Send us pictures. I'd like to see this. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I think we, I think we have don't we have listeners in Alaska? We, I think we might. So I think we do. Send send. Hey, have you been in this situation? Let us know how wrong how wrong we are. You know. Yeah, I mean, let's <laughs> let, let's, let uh, us know what let us know what you do. I mean. Yeah, let's talk about it on Discord or Facebook. Next on this, he's saying burn it wide open. Your 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 instinct when you start this is to try and like preserve the fire, but that makes it. Uh, more prone to smoke and I guess somehow increases the risk of a chimney fire. So let it burn good and hot at first. And if you're in a small room, you don't have to keep it going nonstop. This one's a, this one's a good one. Kind of almost seems counter counterintuitive, I guess, to some people. Ash is insulative. So you're going to have to clean it out, but just clean enough to allow the right amount of space for it to burn. So depend on the size of it, you're going to want an, an inch or so of ash on the bottom of it to use as, as, a, as an insulator, you know, don't completely empty the whole thing out. And then uh, you can use the ash that you're getting rid of to throw out uh, for traction on the ice and snow, which I never would have thought of. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. 
keeping with the fire, he's talking about wood. Obviously, it's going to be a lot easier if you have a sled for when you're gathering wood. Uh, apparently, this is a very common thing to have in northern hunting lodges. So, again, if you call the owner, hey, do, you know, you have a sled up there for all this stuff. And you can use that for if you're going out in the snow because that'll make it it's a little you're not as heavy if you're not carrying it on your back it's, you're just pulling it behind you and you're saying if you can't find one make one uh, well that, what that's what, mean like like uh, like a garbage can lid and a rope you know you can kind of <laughs> make something that you're going to pull yeah as a sled they should have made that into a separate paragraph yeah um, they ran that together okay that makes sense yeah yeah it doesn't but, tell you how to make one it just says yeah make one do it <laughs> Yeah, because you're gonna have too- to burn about a tree a day. Yeah, so, so you need to you need to move a lot of wood. Yeah, you do need, and it takes them about two hours to process a tree to get ready to burn firewood. So that's that's a lot of energy if you're chopping. And then I think this this kind of back you know another common thing, you know, create a routine, take turns getting wood, splitting the wood, cleaning the stove, you know, this the chore thing helps keep your mind off everything it keeps everybody everybody busy you know it's kind of like this is a very a less less extreme than you know you heard about uh, pow's when they were in to keep their to keep from going crazy you know some of them were like building a house in their mind you know you know when 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 they were finally free like they had these plans for this awesome house they wanted to build and they had gone board by board in in this they had all that time and that they it was a exercise for their mind you know to keep them out of that take them out of you know the sucky keep them out of the suck from the situation right you know it kept their mind sharp so you know just keep busy this next part he's talking about the utilities so the utilities are out and if you don't have electricity for if they you know like you're saying if they have like one of those hand pump wells that's one thing but if there's no electricity for the well you're not going to get the water and he's saying to grab a pot from the kitchen and pour what water you have in it because it takes water to make water so another thing to watch out for if you have anything propane be aware of the gas because it is odorless they add mercaptan i guess is how you say that and that's what gives it a, a rotten egg smell. So just be careful. I mean, obviously, if you're sealing up a room and then you're going to use, you know, a little personal propane thing or whatever, just be mindful of the gas because you've sealed it. So now that has nowhere to go. A way to troubleshoot the, the system that you're using, you start at the tank and lift the protective cap on it and check the gauge so you know if it even has any any gas in it. So maybe this is a thing kind of like the wood, replacing wood is, is an etiquette. This is, don't forget the owner's closet. Um, this guy said that, says that most of the, the rental properties that he's gone to up north and, and the ones that he's taken care of for people have something that they call an owner's closet. And what this is, is a survival, basically a survival closet. It's usually <laughs> some of these. I don't know why this is in, in this. This is usually stocked with family photos, the water heater, owner's personal tools, booze, and an emergency cache. <laughs> yes. 
accessing it only requires the sear pick bogota picks that i keep in my wazoo cachet belt in the worst case a mechanical breach and an apology check would probably suffice so basically if you're I mean, hey, if you're in a life or death situation, you might have to break into some stuff. There's some stuff that's locked up in this. Oh. <laughs> but I, again, that's another, you know, talk to the owner beforehand, see what's what they have. You know, maybe they do have already do have some survival stuff for bad weather and you don't have to go through and trash the place. I, I mean, you know, you would think that'd be understandable if you if you paid for three days and you're stuck there for two weeks because of a blizzard, um, you would hope the owner would understand somewhat mm-hmm. of once this cleared and you got back to town and a cell phone call of like, Hey man, I'm going to send you an extra 150 <laughs> yeah. bucks. And it's like, what'd you tear up? Well, I broke yeah. into your closet, right? <laughs> drank your booze, <laughs> ate your 22 days worth of MREs there. And, and, you know, whatever else whatever else you got into i used your nice axe and yeah you know whatever found your chainsaw yeah so you know i would i would hope in a situation like that the owner's understandable right what's a worst case scenario you're honestly you're probably going to pay for the supplies anyway yeah or when you can make it out you go to town you you buy the stuff you used you take it back up there and and stock it back up Mm -hmm. say hey Hey man, I, I broke in here, used this and used that. You got you got you a fresh bottle of Jack Daniels. I bought you new MREs and <laughs> three cases of ramen and blah blah blah, whatever else I used out of there. Refill right. your, your gas for your chainsaw and we'll call it even. You know, you, yeah. You, you got new supplies. Didn't know how old that stuff was, but I used it. Right. It's there, it's there for we- three yeah two weeks or whatever we just, we just rotated your stock for you yeah just rotated your stock so before before we we wrap this up there's an interesting little side i guess you call it like a side note kind of thing so i guess this is i'll just i'll just read it as as they as they have it printed in here while some may entertain the idea of having to trap mice or rodents inside the lodge for food which I can see, you know, if it's cold out, they're going to, you know, a lot of places, the smaller animals are going to come in. Please consider that many owners utilize rat poison in their rodent control plan. Many of these poisons, such as bromodiolone, are very potent and have the ability to cause secondary poisoning. Such poison is an anticoagulant and can cause you to bleed out internally. Mm. So sounds like a fantastic way so to go. Just I so wait, so I guess f- are free range mice okay then if you catch them outside? Sure. I mean, maybe you have to be a certain distance away from the, the cabin. I don't know. Or just go for the just go for the, the tree rodents, go for the squirrels. Yeah, I would I think I'd rather look for squirrels. Well, before we wrap it up, do you have do you have anything else for all of this, this was this was a lot more than we expected. It was a lot more than we expected. <laughs> um, you know, we do have people that I, I know we have listeners that live in these places or live in like Wisconsin or cold areas that are a lot colder, a lot more than us. So yeah, I'd like to I'd like to uh, challenge our listeners to to hop on Facebook or Discord and talk about what you would do or where maybe you know you like us may not agree with 
something that these guys said or have a little different take on it or right. or what you've done <laughs> or better yet if you've been in that situation what did you do you know right. what how did you uh how did you manage that situation and, and right. what happened and how did it go well here, here's what i'll do when when we release this on on our facebook wasted ammo podcast or the instagram aftershock underscore podcast uh i'm going to put this up so on the facebook i'll put this up across you know i might I'm, maybe maybe i'll pin this as a whatever they call it now is it an announcement or I don't know what they call those anymore, but it'll be towards the top. And after, you know, maybe once we read the scenario, maybe hop in there, kind of have an idea of what you think you would do and then come back and go after listening to everything, then, you know, Oh, well maybe, yeah, I didn't think of this or no, I don't think what this person said was right. Or, you know, and that way we have, we have a spot for everybody to, to leave their comments so we can kind of, you know, that's the whole point of all this. So we can get off, get this person's knowledge and this person's knowledge maybe if we have people that have experienced this we actually do have some alaska listeners and they want to share with us get a hold of us contact us through the facebook you know i'd like to talk to some people that you know so it's a lot better than reading an article (laughs) you know we can ask questions and you know they have they have insight that you can get on the spot instead of having to just glean it from whatever they put in print. Yeah. I mean, you know, something to add to that. We, you know, we had our snow apocalypse ice, ice storm last week here. Mm-hmm. And I tried to buy a generator. And I think I, you know, we talked about this on the last episode that I had a, you know, I had a sump pump failure not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it opened up a glaring hole in my preps of, if my power goes out, then I don't have power to my sump pump. So I'll be in the same situation again, or could be in the same situation again. So when they started talking about all this ice from this storm, right? I am the only house of the five that's in a row where I live that has overhead power line going from the pole to my house. Oh, geez. And I thought, you know what? My neighbors may not lose power, but I could right you know if if we all lose power it's not necessarily on me but i have overhead power line so if we were going to get the ice freezing rain like they were talking about that could knock my power line out and if power outage is widespread in cincinnati it may take them a few days to get to my house to fix my power Mm -hmm. and my electric so I tried to purchase a generator and guess what everybody else was buying. <laughs> so somebody still doesn't have a generator. Yeah. And I was a little nervous. I mean, I was a little nervous going into that storm, not necessarily losing heat, but having a whole lot of other issues that right. more water in my basement. Yeah. Now that water in my basement is cold water in my basement that (laughs) is losing heat with piled up snow and ice and Uh where do we go from here so yeah i mean that's one take on on something like this the scenario that we didn't talk about that you know we talked about buying chainsaws and other stuff why not Mm -hmm. buy a generator and a space heater yeah you know and 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 uh 
you know, five gallons of gas, mm-hmm. you know, that would alleviate some of these, some of these issues. Right. Right. I mean, if you're going to, if you have a whole lot of money, I don't know, some, something else in that whole scenario that we didn't really talk about, but I mean, you can get a, I mean, you can get a generator that's, that would run a little space heater with not a ton of money. Yeah. If you're talking about buying a two or $300 chainsaw, I mean, yeah. <laughs> five or $600 will get you a generator. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's, that's the fun of the the conflicted scenario the you just leave it open-ended enough that you go into 50 different directions so <laughs> that's right so, going a lot of directions with that yeah so last thoughts do you have any uh not really it would suck i'd really i'd really i'd really consider not going <laughs> that that's that's that, that'd be my my take on it if they thought there was going to be a blizzard. I don't know. I think that would really make me reconsider going. Yeah. I mean, back to, back to what I said, it'd be worth a hotel room for a night or two. Yeah. Before trekking up to an off the, off the grid cabin of, right. Hey, you, if you fellas want to go on up there, then I'm going to hang out here (laughs) by the airport. (laughs) McDonald's down there and a Burger King over here. and pizza hut i can walk you know something to mm-hmm. that effect of let's let's wait this out a couple couple days and see what yeah. happens well i guess that's going to wrap it up yeah i don't want to think about being stuck in a blizzard <laughs> but it was a good it was a good exercise so um, last week was enough huh yeah yeah maybe maybe i'm just fatigued from that so true well until next time when we talk to everybody and hopefully we didn't have another snowstorm um mr pixel and dave shock mr d shock we'll talk to you guys next time thanks after shock staticky stuff after shock